What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the NFL Draft Crash Course presented by BR Gridiron. I got my main man, Connor Rogers, and we are going to have fun today. Why? Because it is the quarterback edition. I got all my notes because I'm here to pick Connor Rogers' big old brain because he's been following this for 365 days and I'm get ready for the draft. You are watching this possibly on the BR app, Gridiron Twitter, BR YouTube. Thank you for watching. Just a reminder, the only comments that we are going to be watching or reading throughout the show will be on the BR app, which I have on my phone right now. Look, there's our faces. Uh, the theme today, quarterbacks, okay? The biggest one always. It's likely we're going to have two at the top of the draft, but what about the rest? I know the comment section is excited for Trask. Chilling, just kidding. Uh, and as always, submit your videos in the NFL Draft community. We will pick three different videos to show during our next show. We have three videos for this show, and they will be getting BR Gridiron hoodies. Connor, before we get into your top 10 list, this quarterback class compared to, let's say, last year's with uh, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungavailoa, the one, and Joe Burrow, the one before with Kyler Murray, the one before that, 2018 with the five quarterbacks. How does this year's class compare to the classes of recent years? I think it's close to 2018 here, Lefko, where it's deep. That's the difference, right? Last year, of course, we had a guy like Joe Burrow that we knew was going number one. And this year, sure, we have somebody like that in Trevor Lawrence. But it's beyond that. Even as good as Justin Herbert was, people had a lot of questions about him last year. Same with Tua coming off that injury. This year, you look at those first four guys, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. They are top five overall prospects for me this year. That is a tier one group of players that I believe can be franchise quarterbacks, players that I believe can win you a lot of games. And then you get outside of that, it gets interesting. Mac Jones, I think he's an early second-round guy, but I think he goes in the top 15 picks of this draft. And then you get into Kyle Trask and a lot of other developmental players that we're going to break down today. Connor, actually, can we put that graphic up one more time? Because I think it's important to, to separate these guys into tiers. So, Connor, you have the first four as your blue-chip tier, and then you have Mac Jones almost as a tier onto himself, right? The second round? How, how do you break down your tiers for this top ten? Well, I think I ask an important question at the top, Lefko, and that is, is this a guy that can win you games on his own, or is he a guy you can win with? And I think that's the difference between those first four and Mac Jones. And then when you get outside of that, we're going to talk about it, it gets a little different. Some guys are developmental players. Some guys are can play in the structure, and once again, you can win with them, but they might need a little more time. And then as you get towards the back end of that, you're looking at most likely long-term backup quarterbacks. Gotcha. All right. I do have an app comment. Let's get to it first. It is about Mac Jones. You were just mentioning it. Uh, what is your opinion of Mac Jones in the NFL? Also, what team is a good match for him? Asks Philip Monroe. Connor? Yeah, it's a great question. Now, like I said, I think I differ a little bit than the NFL when I watch Mac Jones. I think he's a very accurate pocket passer. I think he has a lot of arm talent in terms of that pinpoint accuracy. I think you could see the touch accuracy even on the deep ball, which is really important. But I just ask myself here, Lefko, can he win out of structure? When the play breaks down, is he a dynamic athlete that can make something out of nothing? And I don't see that. In my eyes, he compares, you know, kind of like an Andy Dalton level player. Now, I know people will laugh mm. at that because what Andy Dalton's been recently. But there was a time where in a really good Bengals offense, 
he was obviously a very productive player. So I look at Mac Jones, and I think the best fits for him are also the teams that will target him. I think maybe the Patriots can move up and go get him. We know the Washington football team has signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they're still looking for their long-term answer. And it's funny to bring this one up because they signed Andy Dalton, but I think the Bears have to look into getting a little bit more aggressive for the future of their quarterback. Uh, thoughts on his pro day, and where do you think he ends up, if you had to guess? Well, I thought he ran a little better than I expected. He's somewhere around a 4-7, because we're not going to get true official times. There's a 4-6-8, a 4-7-2 submitted to the NFL. I don't see that necessarily on-field speed. So I think when you look at it, the pro day was fine. The arm is not in the same category as those top four guys. It's just as simple as that. And everybody will ask themselves, you know, what? how much did playing with a bunch of round one wide receivers, probably a round one running back, and an NFL offensive line, because all of those guys are NFL-level players, a lot of early draft picks, how much did that help him? And it clearly helped him a lot, because these are guys, you see Jalen Waddle climb the rim on an underthrown ball. They can make plays like that for him over and over again when things aren't perfect. And guess what? They just won't be that perfect at the next level. He definitely fits that size profile if the Patriots were interested in him. Uh, one of the things that Connor Rogers does so well is give us prop bets for the draft, and I hear that you have one for Mac Jones. What is it? Yeah, it's my favorite one I've seen so far, and that is over under pick 15 and a half. Now, the odds have started to go really against where this isn't as fun, but I'm going under all the way. When it released, it was at plus 100 from what I saw Lefko, like I said, just because I have him as an top of round two, maybe late round one kind of quarterback prospect, does not mean that's where he's going. There's reaches on quarterbacks every year. Mac Jones is a lock for the top 15. Go get your free money. Uh, and just for everyone that is curious about the draft order, the Patriots have pick 15, and it seems like that's why the line was put right there at 15 and a half. It is time to go to our first video submission content. This comes to us from Logo Holtz 32 Let's take a listen. Hey, Connor and Lefko. Logan Hulst here from Grimes, Iowa, Stick to Football Hall of Fame member. Quick question for you. <laughs> Out of all the teams in the NFL, are there any that you see as a surprise team to try and jump up into the top 10 to take a quarterback that people haven't talked about a lot yet? Thanks. Hall Ooh, of Famer, it's a Connor. Hall of Famer, a loyal one, Logan. He always brings great draft questions to the table. And I think when you look at it, I guess, you know, there's no surprises anymore because we play out every scenario in our, our heads at this point. Like I just said, I think Mac Jones is going to the top 15. If you listen, the teams that I mentioned, a lot of them are outside the top 15. So te those teams are looking to move up, probably Washington, the Bears. If you want to get really deep in the weeds here, I think the Steelers are just going to run things back one more year. I don't think they'll be overly aggressive to get into the top 15 of this draft. Maybe the Saints, because every time we look at the Saints and go, hey, they can't do something, whether it's the salary cap or the draft, they don't care. They floor it and find a way. So I guess the Saints would be the team that I look at and say, hey, sure, they got Jameis, they got Taysom Hill. Neither of them are long-term answers in terms of how they're being paid and how they're viewed right now by the organization. Maybe it is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, let's do a quick recap of your top five guys. You have Trevor Lawrence at one, Zach Wilson at two, Justin Fields out of Ohio State three, Trey Lance, the dual threat quarterback, the real solid athlete out of North Dakota State, and Mac Joe's five out of Alabama. I kind of want to run through these a bunch. We, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars now on, on two different episodes, but I am curious your comps for Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, I look at Trevor Lawrence, and I think he is what Josh Allen has become. I don't think he's what Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming, but what Josh Allen has developed into with the Bills. You see the size, you see the mobility, and you see how tough he is. And the throwback comp for me would be John Elway. So a mix of those kind of players. But the more relevant, the more recent one is Josh Allen. You see that red zone running. You see the ability to get the ball into really, really tight spaces. And honestly, he's just a a smart, tough player that – has no problem creating on the run in the second level of the field, lowering the shoulder, breaking tackles. The arm strength is essentially limitless. I think the deep accuracy isn't perfect right now, Lefko. It's something that we don't talk about enough with Trevor Lawrence, and I think that's something that Josh Allen really needed to work on and has gotten a lot better at over the years. So if you're looking to nitpick something there, that would be it for me with Trevor Lawrence. But, I mean, he's someone that I think within two years will easily be a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. Our good buddy Chris Sims set the NFL draft world ablaze when he said Zach Wilson was ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I have not seen anybody else say that. Did it make you question your rankings at all, and where do you stand on Zach Wilson? It didn't make me question anything because he's my third-ranked overall player and second quarterback and just the player that I absolutely love. And I think with those compact mechanics and how effortlessly the ball gets out, it reminded me of Russell Wilson. Now, he's bigger than Russell Wilson, but you get some of that mobility Everything just looks so effortlessly when he releases the ball and finds it to really any point of the field, outside the deep hashes, uh, down the field. He sees the field really, really well. You could see the cannon that he has. So I think when you look at it with Zach Wilson, uh, he's somebody that is he perfect for any system? Not necessarily. I like him in a Shanahan kind of offense, which he'll probably go to at number two to the New York Mm -hmm. Jets, where you roll him out, cut the field in half, get him on the move. The throwing on the run is absolutely special. And I think the only real question that the NFL has with this guy is nothing to do with talent, but durability, because he's had a banged up shoulder and a banged up thumb before that I think both required some kind of surgery or procedure, but he came back in 2020 and looked like the best version of himself. So he's probably going to be the second overall pick in this draft, Lefko, and I think he is maybe the most, one of the most exciting players to watch in this draft when you turn on the film. Uh, it is Connor Rogers because that S at the end is actually a money sign. Uh, are you willing to bet on the fact that Zach Wilson will be the second pick in the draft? Yeah, I am. I don't love the odds. I believe they're hovering around minus 200. So you're not really going to make much on this at all. But I feel good enough about it that, you know, and everybody has their different opinions. We've seen, oh, maybe the Jets will run it back with Sam Darnold. Maybe Justin Fields or Trey Lance will sneak up into that. I can't find anybody close to the New York Jets organization that thinks this isn't what they'll do. Everybody thinks that they're going to trade Sam Darnold, whether it's draft weekend or before that, and take Zach Wilson second overall. So I feel pretty good about him being the number two overall pick. Let me actually get to an app comment about Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. This is from Sammy. Sam is dope. Uh, In your opinion, as a prospect, is Zach Wilson better than Sam Darnold? Yes, he is. I had Sam Darnold, you know, behind Lamar Jackson in that class, behind Baker Mayfield in that class, and somewhere in the 20s in that first round range where Zach Wilson, I just told you, will be my third overall player. So I think when you look at it, I just think the mechanics are much better. I think he sees the field better. Darnold was somebody that had a lot of problems, I think, with timing and deep accuracy. At, you know, when you turned on the film at USC and it never really got better with the Jets, no matter how bad the situation was. I think Wilson's best trait is his ball placement, throwing the ball vertically. So different players, as much as everybody wonders, hey, is this any different of a situation? For me, it is. Zach Wilson's the better prospect. 
Uh, just some NFL breaking news. It looks like Malcolm Butler is going to be another player signing with the Arizona Cardinals. Big pickup for them. Uh, it was a need. We'll just see. Is it the Malcolm Butler that showed great promise in year one with Tennessee or is it the one last year that was sort of picked on a bit? Let's go to a quarterback that I'm seeing get mentioned a lot in the comments section. Uh, and we're going to use NRG24's comment to get there. Do you think the Panthers trade up to three for Justin Fields, interesting set of circumstances there. Well, I love that they called that out because that's one of the teams I'd written down for Justin Fields. You know, the Falcons probably a long shot after the way they restructured Matt Ryan's contract. But then you look at the Broncos and Panthers, and I think the Panthers know they need to be aggressive to upgrade their quarterback situation. And why not go get this guy? You talk about accuracy once again, all three levels on the move, a big body that can take those hits in the open field a leader. He really has it all. And I think the only question that people have is, you know, how long he held the ball at times at the college level and will that get better at the NFL? But in the right system, I think that will improve over time like it does with a lot of young quarterbacks. So Justin Fields, power arm, can push the ball vertically. When things break down, he's not a, hey, I'll pick up and take what's there. He's a, hey, how am I going to run around this linebacker or through this safety? and turn eight yards into 25 yards. And that excites me about him at the NFL. Uh, who does he remind you of? And if it wasn't going to be Carolina, which is what was brought up there in the question, what other teams do you think would be able to use his skill sets best? He reminds me of Dak Prescott, somebody that, once again, is that big body that can get out of the pocket and very, very accurate, looks very comfortable, and you just see how effortlessly he can fit the ball you know, outside of the hashes or in the middle of the field with timing and touch. It's a howitzer when you look at this arm. So once again, the big body toughness, and I think that mindset and that accuracy is why he reminds me of Dak Prescott. And I say the Panthers, when you look at Joe Brady there, I think he can execute a lot of the timing they're going to ask of him. And you can get a little creative with him as a runner. I also like the Broncos a lot because of the receiving weapons they have for him. It's something I've said on this show before. You know Cortland Sutton can win down the field. You know K.J. Hamler has the speed to win down the field. Jerry Judy's going to be your intermediate weapon. All the playmakers are there for Justin Fields because everybody goes, oh, well, he struggled without Chris Olave. Of course he struggled without his, one of his top two wide receivers. But you go into the Broncos, you have the weapons for him to excel, and that's something that's really exciting. Sure do. Jerry Judy, man, showed a lot of promise. All right, so Justin Fields, by that notion, uh, quarterbacks going one, two, three in the draft would be quite a sight to behold. Uh, the next quarterback that you have, the final four uh, in your blue chip tier is Trey Lance. We have a comment here from Brendan Francis. Does Trey Lance get enough credit for being in a pro-style system? which is interesting. I heard that a lot when Carson Wentz was coming out of North Dakota State. Uh, what do you think about this quandary, Connor? I don't, I don't think he does. And I like this question from Brandon Francis because I think with Trey Lance, all we ever hear about is he had one great year of FCS ball and then he didn't get to play this year besides a showcase game. And I guess I'm guilty of it at times as well. But some of the first notes in my scouting report of Trey Lance is he is tasked with making checks at the line of scrimmage to get in and out of plays. And I think when you watch the film, sure, some of it is one read and then go, which really just means if the first read isn't open, run. And you see it right there, actually. But when you're this good of a runner and you can run through people, that's okay. I like having to do that with a 19-year-old quarterback. Make things a little easier on him. But there are examples of him, Lefko, going to the line of scrimmage, reading pressure, reading the field before the snap, 
And then he knows where to go with the football. So I love that question because, listen, I love that, but NFL teams really, really value that with Trey Lance. I don't think this whole perception of he can't be on the NFL field as a rookie, in my opinion, is nonsense. Maybe he doesn't come out of the gate as a starter, but I think he'll surprise a lot of people with how smart he is and how ready to go he is. And you look at the teams, I would, yeah. I've said it before. I would love to see a New England or 49ers go get this guy because they have the infrastructures for him to succeed, whether it's Jimmy G is your starter out of the gate, whether it's Cam Newton is your starter out of the gate. And we saw a lot of those power run concepts New England ran last year. You can do that with Trey Lance. So I think the spotlight wouldn't be on him as much in those scenarios to come in and be the savior, which has crumbled a lot of top three pick quarterbacks over the years. And I think he could develop over time with good coaches, with good offensive lines and schemes that really tailor to his needs. What's interesting is I'm, I have your comp here for, for Trey Lance and it's Steve McNair. And what's interesting to me is your comp for Justin Fields was Dak Prescott. Steve McNair to me, I mean, Dak Prescott hopes to be like Steve McNair. That's, that's pretty lofty praise for you for Trey. Yeah, it is. I love this player. I've said it since really the summer that I think there was a lot of special traits here on film from 2019 where, you know, people kind of mocked this. I said it somewhere where I thought if he had a season this year and he was phenomenal, people would have made the number one pick discussion a little bit more difficult. And this was out of his control. He didn't sit there and go not playing. There was no season to be had for him in the fall besides that one showcase game. So once again, great arm strength. He does sail the ball a little high because of, you know, a little hiccup in mechanics that will be cleaned up. But once again, really smart, good runner, great leader, strong arm. He checks every box playing in that pro style offense. Once again, he sees the field. All of that is there with Trey Lance, where I'm a big believer. I'm a big buyer as a top five pick in this draft. And quite frankly, people are sitting there and thinking he's this bargain prospect. You can get at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I'm not seeing it. I don't see how this guy makes it outside of those top six picks. That's my other question. Jacksonville at one, Jets at two. The Dolphins are loaded and can move that pick probably if the price is right. And they just drafted Tua. And then the Atlanta Falcons. Is there a chance that we go QB for the first four picks in this draft, Connor? Very easily. I think we could see auctions with number three and the number four picks. Why not go up and get your guy? And I think I've already heard rumblings that the Panthers are one of those teams that, you know, they're preparing for every scenario. They're preparing to be aggressive to get their face of the franchise over there. The Bears, you have a GM that's, you know, mm. trying to save his career right now. Washington football team, they've done so many good things where I think there's less panic over there, especially after bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think they'll have their eyes on moving up. New England, the 49ers, all of those teams. So if those teams at three and four, the Dolphins and the Falcons say, hey, picks for sale, come and get it. Teams will come up and pay a hefty price to do so. I am getting an alert from my producer that the NFL draft producer, Sean McManus, is actually commenting in the stream right now. Let's see what his comment was. What should be on this year's draft show drinking game? Oh, man, a favorite in the past. I mean, that's a phenomenal one. I think we're going to have to lean on the audience to see what they want to do. And it's probably just dumb things I say, like once again, or I'm excited about this guy, or every time I have to fix my hair, or something stupid like that. But if you want to look at the draft, 
I think we up the ante. I think, you know, I don't know how much drinking I can encourage on this show, but I think if a running back goes in round one, it's going to be cause for celebration. I think we set over-unders on offensive line, really strong class. I think we set over-unders on quarterbacks and wide receivers and things along the line of that. I would also add, uh, does Lefko explode in anger with the six pick from the Eagles should definitely be on there. That's like finish your drink. Um, and, and really, this is just going to be a tease. I found out who is joining Connor and I on Oh, set. yeah. And I'm not here to ruin the surprise. But the amount of excitement that I have bottled up, boy, is it going to be great. And the amount of drinking game stuff that we can do around this guy, it has exceeded my expectation, Connor. I'm very excited. I know you are as well. I can't wait. I mean, I've been banging the table uh, for this person to join us. And the fact that it sounds like it's coming true, it's going to be an incredible BR draft show to be working with this person during this special. And Lefko, before we move on, I got to ask you, because it's something that is not being discussed enough. It almost seems like it's assumed at this point because the signing of Joe Flacco, because Jalen Hurts is there. But when you hear me, and I'm just one man in this big draft world, gush about these quarterbacks and your team is sitting there with you know a bit of an unsure at their future quarterback with the sixth overall pick does it make you kind of wonder hey should we maybe be considering taking one of these guys no (laughs) i i look i am biased i love jalen hurts I think that people are forgetting that Brandon Brooks missed all of last season. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. I think what I'm hearing as an Eagles fan as you're talking is we need to put this six pick up for sale if some of these quarterbacks get down there because the secondary needs work. The D-line is getting old. Uh, We could use some more weapons at wide receiver and tight end, especially if they move Zach Ertz. There's a lot of holes. So I'm watching Micah Parsons run a 4-3-5. And the Eagles just don't value linebackers. But, boy, I'd like the next Patrick Willis for the next 10 years. Uh, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase. But the main thing I hear from you is they, there's a lot of value at this pick if any of those quarterbacks fall. But I'm, I'm a Jalen Hurts believer. That's just who I am. Yeah, and I think that's justified. And, and I'm with you that the value of the pick is tremendous because we know quarterbacks are going one and two. We'll see what the teams at three, four, and five end up doing. But somebody's going to get stubborn and not move and take their guy. And there's a chance at the sixth overall pick, maybe it's just Trey Lance or Mac Jones left on the board, and somebody panics and says, take everything so we can come up and grab this guy before the quarterbacks are gone. Yeah, because the uh, the benefit of the spot, and I'll, I'll wrap up quickly, is we don't know if Detroit is planning on having J- uh, Jared Goff uh, for a long time. They're pick seven, but more importantly – Carolina and Denver are picks eight and nine, and you'd think teams would want to jump ahead of them. We already talked about Mac Jones, so those are Connor's top five quarterbacks. Now let's get down to your tier three. And we have had people in our comment section constantly commenting about Kyle Trask. So why don't we use one of them? LaMickey Mouse simply comments, Trask. Uh, I know nothing about this guy, Connor, so please illuminate me. What do I need to know about Kyle Trask? A big-bodied touch thrower that has overcome a lot. Really a, a no-star kind of recruit. Not a ton of expectations coming into Florida. I think those were on Felipe Franks. 
And all Tress did was overachieve over time. 6'5", 240 pounds. I don't think the arm is great, but I think the accuracy is very, very good. I think he's a tough player. We've seen him play through injuries at times, but he's a limited athlete with a somewhat limited arm. And I think the decision-making is not perfect. And the problem is when you try to force throws and you have an average or mediocre kind of arm, it can get you in trouble. So I think with Trask, he's somebody that you're looking at probably in round three. I think over time, a team will develop him with the hopes that he can be a starter. But it goes back to my conversation, Lefko. He's somebody that you can win games with after some refinement, not somebody that will always just put the team on his back and win you games. And you see it throwing a Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Toney, players like that that can really take over. He did a great job finding those guys with timing, the soft spot of the zone, really excelled in Dan Mullen's offense. But the physical profile is just not there as a first rounder. What you just said scares me. You were talking about Mac Jones and having all the talent around him. The fact that Kyle Pitts and I, just from hearing the, the comment section talk about Kandarius Tony, like those are special, special players. Who they does are. he remind you of, and where would you like to see Trask though that you think would work well for him? He reminds me of Matt Schaub. Just that huge body at six foot five, two hundred forty, maybe even bigger. Where. Sure, he's not a great overall athlete, but in the structure of the offense, he's very accurate and understands where to go with the football. And that's what Schaub was in his best years. So I think with Trask, you're looking at a team that, once again, doesn't need him to come in and be the savior or come in and constantly, you know, when things break down, pick up 20-yard gains. Or He has pretty good feel in the pocket, as you could see there, which is definitely an important trait as he finds Kadarius Toney. But I look at the Steelers that I think will be looking for a mid-round quarterback when we've seen Big Ben just have an unbelievable amount of injuries over the years. And we know the kind of playmakers they have. They get Juju back on a one-year deal. You have Chase Claypool. Uh, They always have a talented offensive line, a well-coached offensive line. Trask can come in and manage the game if something happened to Big Ben. And I think that's where you capitalize on value because – you know, those other five guys, they're going in the first round. But Trask, you might be able to get them outside the top 60. So I'm looking at your, you had uh, the top four, Mac Jones at his own tier. And then in this third tier, along with Kyle Trask, Davis Mills out of Stanford. I feel like I've been hearing about this guy for a long time. Who is the comp? What do you think of the prospect? He's Jimmy G light is what I would say. You know, not the full version of Jimmy G, but I guess the poor man's version of Jimmy G light. So when you look at him coming out of a pro-style offense at Stanford, which I just gushed about that with Trey Lance at North Dakota yep. State. So you, you see him working under center. You see him working in shotgun right here. The touch accuracy is what jumps out to me. He knew before the snap where he's going with the ball because Simi Fajoko is a bigger, more talented, speed, speedy guy against that corner, and he drops it in the bucket. Right here, the feel. How is that rush coming? And I got to get the ball out. It gets out on time. So only 11 games as a starter. He needs some more experience, but the shoulder dip to buy himself time and then drop it in the bucket. Not a great athlete, but good enough on the move. So that's why it reminds me of Jimmy G that is the arm perfect? No, but more importantly, he's accurate and he finds a way to get it to his big targets outside the hashes and give them a chance to go up and make a play on the football. So Davis Mills is this rhythm thrower that is a little raw because he doesn't have a ton of starting experience, but the arm talent checks the box. Once again, like Mac Jones, like Kyle Trask, not going to give you much when the play breaks down. But does he know where to go with the football? Yes. Does he have enough accuracy to do it consistently? I think so. Where makes sense for him then after saying all that? 
I think Tennessee. I think when you look at it, sure, they have Ryan Tannehill there, but they have not found a backup of the future. I think Deshaun Kaiser's on that roster. But go, you're going to get Davis Mills in round three or four, and you're going to develop him a similar kind of way to Kyle Trask. But I think he's a better fit in the Tennessee offense that can use a lot of play-action boots. I know Arthur Smith left, so we'll see how much carryover there is. But you look at Tennessee, Green Bay, it'll be the Jets and the 49ers. They run similar passing concepts to an extent. And that's where Davis Mills fits in. And, you know, obviously he's legging out that one to the pylon there. But once again, not this dynamic athlete, but gives you enough at all three levels as a passer. And we've seen what they did with Ryan Tannehill. I think that's a good soft landing for Davis Mills. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser and Logan Woodside, the backups there in Tennessee. I was thinking as you were talking about the touch passes and being good at finding outside receivers, that works well with A.J. Brown if this kid has to come in there in a pinch or if something happens uh, with Ryan Tannehill. Okay, now we are getting down to your Tier 4, and it's interesting because I'm bringing up our guy again, Chris Sims. He had this guy as his fourth overall quarterback. Will Kellen Mond be a first-round pick X, the next Jay King? Uh, I can imagine this caught your attention when Sims rated on that high, but what, what in your actuality is the real Kellen Mond? Who is the real Kellen Mond? Oh, man, it's tough to figure out because early on in his career, it was not pretty. The decision making was bad. The accuracy was inconsistent. But he really cut down those turnovers in 2020. And he's a good athlete, right? You look at him standing in the pocket is why he's getting all these Colin Kaepernick comparisons because of that build. But a nice catch and run ball from Kellen Mond, that was something that stood out to me in 2020. He's starting to get timing down a little bit better right here. Can you fit it in between the corner and the safety? That's not something I saw him do a lot early on in his career. Mm. But when he does, it's very impressive. Go through reads. There's pro-style concepts on that play. He looked at the slot, looked right, and then went back left to the open man. So he's a player that, is he ready to start? I don't think so. Because once again, I think the timing's a little off. There's almost too much velocity on his short and underneath stuff where he gets out of control. The decision-making did improve this year, but it's not perfect but he does give you a decent amount as a runner. I think you can get creative with him in the red zone. And let's not forget, you know, when Kaepernick came in the league, that's something the Niners did where there was red zone packages Mm. for him. I think teams will look to do that with Kellen Mond, where can you get him involved in option plays inside the 20? So Kellen Mond to me, I don't think he goes in the first round. If he did, that would be the shock of the draft for me. But it wouldn't shock me if he snuck into day two after being projected as this day three guy for a while because of that raw athleticism and arm strength. You said before with Wilson you wanted that Shanahan system because they could use that athleticism. Uh, what is a good fit for Mond where it's not – look, we, we've seen this a lot. The big kid out of Buffalo, just, you know, some you got to find the right system for this to actually work. What's a, what's a good system for Mond? Yeah, it would be tough for me to constantly get him on the move. I think the deep balls, you know, they hang at times. I think they're a little bit underthrown. So he's not perfect as a thrower on the run yet. I think when you look at him, you know, you might like to see, hey, can he back up in Baltimore? Can he be somebody that can give our running concepts and push the ball down the field vertically? Keep things kind of simple where you're saying, hey, we know you have the arm strength. Yes, I I have a problem with the deep accuracy, but I think that can improve over time if he fixes his base of his mechanics. See the velocity in the middle of the field? That's something that stands out. But right here, sure, you're not going to run the exact option in the NFL, but read option plays will work with him at the next level because he has that long, leggy, build-up speed as a runner, and that will threaten the outside of a defense 
while opening up things a little bit more for your wide receivers. Mm. All right. Yeah, backup quarterback is always interesting early on. I'm going to do a shout-out to Steel KO because he just asked and I just saw it, so shout-out to you. Uh, next one we have up in the Kellenman fourth region out of Wake Forest, Jamie Newman. We've reached the part of the show where I've, I don't even know if this is real, but Will Dragulis asks, who is the best quarterback no one is talking about? Will, guess what? I'm definitely not talking about Jamie Newman. Counter, who the heck is Jamie Newman? Fill me in. Well, Jamie Newman is somebody with a lot of raw talent that didn't play this year. He decided to opt out after transferring to Georgia, showed some talent throwing to Sage Surratt while at Wake Forest. Another one of those big-bodied passers, not fast, but a strong runner, especially once again inside the 10-yard line, inside that 5-yard line where you can get him on sneaks and draw plays. The arm talent is really, really good, Lefko, but I think he's just a touch late on a lot of throws. You see him throw down Mm. the field. He's got the velocity and the arm strength to really push the ball vertically, but how is he be under pressure at the next level, I think, is the question. So I think, you know, when you miss a year of football and you're already a raw prospect, that's going to hurt you. And that's why nobody's talking about Jamie Newman. But when you just watch him in terms of raw talent and what you can mold him to be, you know, it kind of goes back to what I talked about with Kellen Mond a little bit. Maybe a team like Seattle sits there, and I know there's a lot going on with Russ, but in a perfect world where Russ is the future of that offense, he's somebody that you can get on the move. We know they love throwing the ball down the field to a guy like DK Metcalf and really, once again, at least threaten you a little bit with his legs and a big-bodied passer that can take those hits that Russell Wilson did not like. So Jamie Newman, I don't think he's going to go in the first three rounds of this draft, but just based on that limited sample size we saw at Wake Forest alone, he will hear his name called and be a draft and stash kind of quarterback. We are getting ready to do rapid fire Q&A. Before we do, uh, and before we get to this video comment, uh, I have one quick question out of nowhere for you, Connor. I'm just looking at the, the draft and the rundown and the order. Washington at 19. Everyone's so excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick. We saw what happened at the end of last year. But do you think that they could be a team with – this window with this elite defensive line, a weak division that they can maximize that window by maybe getting a rookie quarterback here and and allowing some more money to flow. What do you think? I would like to see it. I think the problem is the demand in the market is really, really high. And when you're picking at 19 in a weird year of winning the division with a not so great record, you might be on the outside looking in how aggressive are you willing to go? And maybe them spending a lot of money in free agency left go is a sign of that. I said that with New England as well, where I look at the spending and go, maybe they are a team that's operating like we're not going to be making all of those draft picks. What if we package 19 next year's first and a couple of day two picks? How high can we get? Can we jump Carolina? Can we jump Denver? Because the player I would like to see operate in that offense is Justin Fields, throwing the ball deep to Curtis Samuel giving Terry McLaren a lot of chances on those jump balls. And we know that they're a team that will be very, very eager to run the football. So that's who excites me. But I just think they will be outbid. I think the value, and it hurts Washington, it hurts the Bears at 19 and 20. A lot of those teams that are picking in the top 10, like your Eagles that want to get out, they don't want to go that far back. 
I will always wonder, would Washington have doubts on fields just because they drafted Dwayne Haskins, just because of the teams and all that? Because, you know, sometimes it gets that simple. Okay, let's get uh, to a video comment. Andrew Magnuson, I have heard this name before, man. Good to have you on the show. Let's hear what he has to say. We don't have it. Well, guess what, Connor? <laughs> I'm going to read you what he said. Uh, sorry, Andrew. No, no uh, prime time uh, for you. He said, a lot of mock drafts have Falcons going quarterback at four. I just don't get it. Uh, we, we've talked about that a bunch. Uh, do you see a lot of sense in it, or are you someone like Andrew that you just don't see it and you'd rather them do something else? I don't see it. I think after restructuring Matt Ryan's deal where the money is more spread out into future years, it's something that would really, really surprise me. I think that was a sign of, hey, we think we could still win with Matt Ryan right now. And, and I'm sure that was a conversation when they brought in Arthur Smith where he comes in there and they say, hey, are you looking for your quarterback in the future or do you feel good running things with Matt for a couple of years? So, you know, Arthur Smith is somebody that has Kyle Shanahan connections. So all it was one quick right. phone call. Kyle Shanahan loves working with Matt Ryan, so no surprise there. I think that they are going to look to either trade that pick or continue to supplement that roster with premium talent. So I could absolutely be talked into getting Justin Fields in Atlanta. I would absolutely love it, but I just don't think it's happening. Uh, yeah, just because of what Arthur Smith did with the athleticism of Tannehill and the play actions, it's very enticing with someone that can move. Uh, we have found the video from Andrew Magnuson. He is getting a hoodie. He deserves some face time. So let's show Andrew Magnuson's beautiful group. Hey guys, I keep seeing the Falcons take a quarterback at four in a lot of mock drafts and I just don't get it. Matt Ryan's still under contract and they're going to be paying him for big bucks for the next couple of years. So you won't be able to take advantage of that rookie quarterback deal. And Matt Ryan's still pretty good. Help me make sense of this. I, I don't get it, guys. All right. We're not talking about it anymore, Magnuson, but we did show your face. Congratulations on the, Kyle Pitts. We, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts would be fun, especially because we saw what Arthur did with Jonu Smith. Arthur's just so creative with different positions passing. You may not even need a quarterback. I mean, he's got defensive linemen throwing the football. Uh, let us get to a one comment that is not about the quarterbacks at all. How far does Caleb Farley fall after his back surgery from David H. Connor? Filled me in. I know that he was one of your top guys. Uh, what happened? What was the surgery? What's the timeline? I need info. Yeah, this is the not-so-fun side of the lead-up to the draft. Unfortunately for Caleb uh, Farley, it's, it's going to be you know essentially a herniated disc kind of operation. And normally you look at that and go, hey, that can be a one-and-done. You see the talent. We know he has talent. He was my cornerback, too, when we did the Blue Chip show, only behind Patrick Sertain. But for a lot of people in the draft community and NFL teams, he was the top corner. I believe he had 22 passes defended in just 24 games. So the ball production is tremendous. Uh, he's an elite athlete with elite size. I compared him to Marshawn Lattimore. But because of this injury history now, Lefko, he had some back problems in 2019. He's been training all year. He didn't play in 2020. And now you need a back procedure. The problem is I still believe Caleb Farley is a very talented player. But I've seen this song and dance way too many times in my short time covering the NFL draft full time talking to teams. They're very, very afraid of taking injury risk in round one. They're very open to it in round two. So I think for Caleb Farley, especially after the day J.C. Horn had at his pro day, I think Sertain's going to go off the board before Farley. I think J.C. Horn's going to go off the board before Farley. There is some talk that maybe even Greg Newsom from Northwestern goes off the board before Caleb Farley. So extreme talent. 
I'm rooting for him to get things right and be back on the football field. But it could be kind of like what we saw with Miles Jack or Jalen Smith, where we know they're round one talents, top 15 players. Those are no-brainer decisions. But because of medical, we might be sitting there night two with our very, very special guest and saying, hey, this guy will come off the board in the next couple of picks. I would also say that in a year where they can't do individual medical testing because there was no combine and they can't have their doctors do all the poking and prodding to make them confident. We see this every year. We saw this uh, with Reggie Ragland is the one that I'll never forget where that questionable medical report comes out on the day of the draft, which leads to a very precipitous fall. Also, when you factor in, it's a back You know, this isn't an ACL, this isn't a leg, this isn't a shoulder, this is a back. Just, it's a very scary thing. And I I remember you talking, this was the most talented corner in the draft. Definitely something to keep our eye on. By the way, these are rapid fire questions and we are not being rapid. So let's get to the next one. Uh, Number three, rapid fire question. What round do you think Sam Ellinger gets drafted from Trudez 10, Connor? I'll say round six, uh, limited size, limited overall arm ability. But, you know, once again, maybe somebody that can find his way as a long-term backup. So round six or seven for Sam Ellinger. Mm. Yeah, I like Sam. Okay, Z Seifert seven. Who takes the first running back? Not which one is it, but where do you think he goes? Oh, man. I think it would be Miami at 18 or even with a move back. I think I like that. Miami at 18. If we get a round one running back, I think it will be Miami. And I think that it'll probably be Najee Harris if they took one. I still like Arizona. I think Arizona would be a lot of fun. Uh, I know it's not Indy. Okay, D Dylan 408 last question. Would the Raiders draft any of these quarterbacks? They just brought back Marcus Mariota on a very low deal. Derek Carr, I feel like, is the ultimate Mendoza line. Either you hate him, you love him, he's just right in the middle. Do you think the Raiders go after any of these quarterbacks, John Gruden QB camp? I do. Gruden is the quarterback collector. I think when you look at the breakdown of Kellen Mond, I think that's the perfect guy right there. It's somebody that he might watch and go, hey, this guy reminds me of Colin Kaepernick. And he gets all excited about the running and the throwing and the highlight kind of plays and says, hey, how do I get more of these highlight reel kind of plays out of him than the low light plays of the inaccuracies? Gruden is this believer in I can fix every single mechanical flaw or decision-making flaw. Yep. And if you honestly have that kind of ego in a good way, no, no insult there, then Kellen Mond is the perfect prospect for you in round three or four. Mm. Uh, guys, thank you as always for joining us in the comment section, whether you're watching on Twitter, whether you're watching on YouTube or in the BR app where we got to a lot of the questions. Uh, let me put in, uh, I'm going to put in an app. Uh, comment. I'm going to do a little very romantic heart thank you to all the listeners in there. Um, and if you are listening on the Left Go Show, I want to shout out the regulators for the music. You guys are great. We are doing this every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Really, the best place to watch is in the BR app because then I can see your comments. Next week, Workout Warriors, which I'm sure we'll be talking about what Micah Parsons just did running around in boxer briefs. But the main question that I'm going to have for Connor after each one is, is this real or are these just numbers? We see it every year. Guys go out there and show out in the workouts, but are they for real when the lights come on and we're playing 15-minute quarters? Submit your videos in the NFL Draft community. If we play your video, looking at you, Magnuson, we will be sending you a BR Gridiron hoodie. Magnuson, I would recommend 
you got the stick to football hoodie uh, pullover. Now you're going to get a gridiron hoodie. Your whole closet is Bleacher Report, man, and we appreciate it. Uh, thank you, guys. Connor, before we go, uh, anything about quarterbacks, any draft news that you want to get out? we got a few minutes. Well, I think, you know, there was a couple interesting pro day notes here, and I mentioned it in some of the lead up in that draft community in the app, which has been a lot of fun. Really love seeing everybody post in there. Rondell Moore, one of the most interesting players in this draft. He comes in at five foot seven. How many receivers left go have a lot of success at five foot seven? I'm betting on him. I think he will be one, but it created some conversation of is this player running back elite testing times across the board. Right. I wrote slot only in my notes, manufactured touches, screens, drag routes, jet sweeps, all those things for Rondell Moore. I think he has become one of the most intriguing players that will hear his name called in round two of this draft. I'm really excited about him. I don't care how short he is. He's built like an absolute rock. It always makes me laugh, the the chatter that pro days create on draft Twitter each year. Mm. Yeah, it's a little crazy to realize he's 5'7". Tyreek Hill is 5'10". And you're like, man, that is a tiny guy. And let's give a little love uh, to some guys that have good NFL genes, Lefko. How about Joe Horn's son, J.C. Horn, at his pro day, just absolutely killing it. And for those that missed it, I will read you some numbers here. I mean, you're talking about a corner that's six foot one, 205 pounds, 33-inch arms, 43940, 41.5 vertical. So Joe Horn, uh, his kid is going to be, I think, a star corner in the NFL. And Patrick Sertain, the second, six foot two, 208 pounds, 32 and a half inch arms, 44240, 39-inch vertical. He's a clone of Xavier Rhodes to me, who actually just signed a one-year deal to go back to the Colts. Connor, you said Those you were worried corner. about his athleticism, and then he runs a 4 I was two. so wrong. <laughs> it's more twitch, Lefko. I will say right. that. Not deep speed, length, explosiveness. It's more twitch, side-to-side, lateral agility. But you use him as a boundary corner, a press man corner on the outside. He'll be a very, very good one. Mm. Man. Eagles too high at six. We'll see. Connor Rogers, you are the man. Thank you as always. Uh, be our draft community. We cannot wait to tell you who will be joining us on the desk. Have a great day. We will see you next week, Thursday, one o'clock Eastern. Have a good one.